0: Okay, so I have been thinking a lot about my show recently and how I do really love doing the written episodes. So whenever I make an episode of Everything Economics, I will write, I'll do a lot of research, read lots of articles and like news articles as well as academic articles. And then I will take my notes and then I'll write a script, which you can probably tell because it sounds like... I'm reading from a script, I think. Um,
1: I think it sounds good.
0: Yeah, I don't think that's a bad thing or anything. But I have been wanting to make them a bit more conversational lately. Part of of the limitation of that is that I make this show by myself. And I think I would feel really weird just having a conversation with myself. So I do probably more likely next year, I want to start actively looking for a co-host. To do this show with, so we can just get together and talk about certain topics and still have a lot of like facts and information in it, but just have more of an open discussion rather than like an essay, like a audio essay. Part of that, it'll take a bit of a workload off me because having to write it is it's it's tough. Second to that, like I think getting someone else's perspective. On stuff could also be really interesting so
1: what kind of person are you looking for what are your parameters for the people out there that are thinking oh maybe I could do it
0: yeah so my parameters um you've gotta you've gotta be a bit socialist um like I'm not really looking for someone to come in who has different opinions to me in the sense that they're opposed to socialist ideas or they're a centrist or something just someone who has a different perspective I might have had some different experiences to me. Um, you don't necessarily have to have studied economics, someone who has a background in politics or sociology or pretty much anything. Like, you don't have to have studied something to be able to talk about it. And sorry, dudes, you got to be female. <laughs> like, I really want a woman or a non binary person to talk to. Yeah. Um, nothing against men. I just. I'm looking for other perspectives on things and I think there's enough men talking about economics and politics and news
1: I tend to agree with you
0: yeah um, so yeah if you are a listener um, you don't have to live in Vancouver that would be preferred because uh, like the in-person stuff is great and I'm always looking for new friends <laughs> Because I'm in a new city and making friends as an adult is hard. But you don't have to live here because we're set up for remote. I've done plenty of remote interviews before. And I think sound-wise, they're fine whether or not that person is talking into a microphone or just talking into their phone and being recorded through Discord. So please reach out. Um...
1: And as well, if if we find the perfect candidate who is remote... Uh... We have some equipment we can send.
0: Yeah, we do. Yeah. yeah. We've just upgraded our mics, which is super exciting. And our mixer is finally...
1: So, so if it sounds bad now, it's not because we made a <laughs> poor choice. It's because uh, I'm
0: just. I'm not used in.
1: to the hardware yet. Yeah. And I'm uh, the one in charge of of that. Yeah. I'm Doug Vandalay, yeah, by the way.
0: Yeah, so I was just going to say I should introduce you. Um, so I wanted to give the new format I am wanting a bit of a try I don't have a co-host yet so I asked the lovely Doug my partner in podcasting my partner in life and love if he wanted to come on and be a bit of a sounding board um, and talk about your experiences with this topic as well the topic I want to talk about today is kind of about labor and leisure so not so much labor economics In terms of, if you Google labor economics, you'll find a lot of papers about, this is how a company would distribute or how a government would distribute its labor versus its capital. And you move across a curve and you either have more capital and less labor and there's a fixed amount. Um, No, this is more about the way that we work, the 40-hour work week, overtime, what that actually does to us as people. And... Whether or not the structure that we live in is the best from an economic perspective and from a socialist perspective as well. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. So I've got some notes just to give a bit of history of labor and the sort of like fair work movement. This is all like American information, but... Again, like America kind of does represent and apply to a lot of the, a lot of the world. They have a lot of influence.
1: A lot of the, the labor movement happened in America in yeah, the 1930s, exactly. which I'm sure you're about to get into Yeah.
0: So 1817 after so the industrial Revolution was obviously obviously completely changed the way that we do work because there was new technology, we were able to be more productive. People were working 80 to 100 hour weeks at that time um and
1: that's not like when a ceo says they do an 80-hour work no, week, like and they, they include dinners showers the gym
0: yes they were working like this is this is this is a really important part when we're thinking about the way that we work now in the 40-hour work week versus what it was in the 18 and early 1900s most of it was manufacturing so people making stuff and i'll get into it a bit more but it made a lot of sense then to have that sort of schedule so yeah post-industrial revolution people were working up to 100 hours a week and some activists and labor union groups sort of surfaced and started to demand better working conditions because i mean that's horrific
1: can i jump in with a question yeah what does a 100 hour week look like because right now we have a 40 hour week is eight hours a day monday to friday so the weekend didn't exist yet right
0: no, so people would work Monday to Saturday. You would usually get Sunday off. Sunday oh, was religion. for God. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Sunday is God's day. So basically it was six days a week. Um, so you'd be working 15 plus hour days. Oh. And if you think about back in the 1800s, this would have been, yeah, manufacturing machinery, working in coal mines, stuff that's really bad for your health, mentally and physically. It leaves a little of time for family and education and just chilling out and it was predominantly men working in these industries. Women worked in the house, which is another form of labor, uh, which I'll get to as well. So in the 1860s, the National Labor Union asked Congress to pass a law mandating the eight-hour workday. So this wasn't passed, but it increased public support. And then in the late 60s, president ulysses grant 1860s
1: right yes yeah 1860s
0: 1869 it
1: may be uh, obvious to most but i want to make sure yeah
0: just a cool name president ulysses s grant <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah he, um, he was pretty uh heavily involved in the civil war oh yeah yeah
0: see this is this is what i mean about like i don't know everything about any topic ever I don't I even know that this guy was to do with the Civil War. Um, which side?
1: Uh, I'm pretty sure he was a Confederate. Oh. Um, I'm going to look it up while you move on.
0: Yeah, anyway. And- so he issued a proclamation to guarantee the eight-hour workday for government employees. So a lot of labor movement does start within government. I was
1: way off. He led the Union Army.
0: Oh, great. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I always get that
1: confused. He gave the
0: eight-hour workday. Okay. Often these moves within government will then influence the private sector. They're much of a muchness these days, but back then there was like a clear distinction. So workers started to push for the same rights. In 1886, the Illinois legislature passed a law mandating eight hour workdays. A lot of employers refused to cooperate. Shocking. There was a huge strike in Chicago, one of the biggest ones that there ever had been. There was a bomb that killed at least 12 people.
1: workers or strike buses? I don't know. What kind of I don't know.
0: Um, just it just says 12 people.
1: And what this strike in Chicago was it a general worker strike or was it a, like a It was
0: a general worker strike. Um, and
1: what does that mean?
0: Oh. oh okay. So a general worker strike is when people just strike. Yeah. It doesn't matter. It's not about a specific industry or a specific company, so you might get a lot of the time transit strikes or a nursing strike or a teacher strike. This is general across the board. Everyone is getting treated like shit. Let's all stand up because this impacts all of us. Okay, so this strike became known as the Haymarket Riot and is now commemorated on May 1st. It's Labor Day. Labor Day. May Day. So that's I, I didn't actually know that history. That's um, pretty cool. Which is cool.
1: There's a there was a slogan that the workers used uh, around that time as um, part of the uh, like the information to try and get uh, their rights and get other workers riled up. And it was eight hours for work, eight hours for rest, eight hours to do as we will. Yep. I mean, unfortunately, nowadays a lot of that eight hours to do as we will is taken up with. Taking care of your life and commuting to the work?
0: Yeah, I'll get into that a bit more as well later. Um, I read some pretty interesting essays and opinion pieces about that specifically. Right. So in the 20s, Henry Ford popularized the 40-hour work week, which I thought was pretty interesting. So he he was kind of the pioneer for the research that more hours working does not mean more productivity or more output. You actually become less productive um, as you do more hours because your concentration is limited. You're just not as motivated. You might be more tired, things like that. So he figured out that working more had only marginal returns and it was actually less productivity that lasted a shorter period of time. Come the late 30s, 1930s, Congress passed the Fair Labor Standard Acts. This required employers to pay overtime to all employees who worked more than 44 hours a week. Two years later, it was amended to reduce the workweek to 40 hours. If you listen to episode 41 of this podcast about Labor Day, people don't really get overtime anymore. So it was protected for this group of people, where if you worked over 40 hours, you were paid a higher rate, a higher wage that's not really protected anymore. So people are working more than 40 hours and not necessarily getting rewarded for it. In 1940, the 40 hour work week became US law. And then an interesting side to that, the leisure industry was born where people were working only 40 hours a week. They had spare time, they wanted to do things. The a whole idea of like building a model train or making clothes or something as a hobby started to filter off and doing stuff, having experiences started to become like the popular hobby that Think, people things would like
1: have. Going fishing and
0: Yeah, just like paying to do things as well, like going on a tour. We're gonna go and have this experience. Right. Um, Go to the
1: amusement park.
0: Yeah. So by 1958, spending on leisure activities amounted to $34 billion per year. I don't know what that figure is today, but I imagine it's enormous. Now, a really important thing to remember when we're talking about the history of the 40-hour workweek and the fact that it was the most productive people could be. Um, if you go below or beyond that, you don't really get much else. This is really rooted in industrialism. So people were manufacturing. You would start your job at nine or whatever. You would go to your assembly line, which Henry Ford pretty much innovated. You would do your thing for eight hours. Then you clock off and you go home. Yeah. Whereas when we think about doing the eight-hour work week now, only a small percentage in the developed world, anyway, or in the Western world, are actually working in manufacturing. If you're working in an office for eight hours, it's actually quite taxing and draining. And you don't. Mentally.
1: Yeah, and you yeah. don't
0: leave it behind because you're not always doing like a fixed thing that has a finish and an end. There's a lot of like office politics and diplomacy and having to always be successful and productive. But you're fixed into this single time nine to five after that you're still thinking about your job you're still stressing about it do
1: you, do you know what's interesting and timely about this in my interview with Brittany Lysing, that uh, are you releasing this this monday coming yes uh so that that comes out this wednesday if you're listening to this one when it comes out on van x van uh so britney Lysing is uh a popular and very talented comedian uh from alberta and she used to be an elevator mechanic And we talk a bit about um, the pros and cons of of working labor over creativity. Yeah. And how when she was a lift mechanic, it was really physically taxing. But at the end of the day, you go home and you're not a lift mechanic anymore. When you're a stand-up comic, you're constantly booking tours, creating relationships, working on your material, networking, and... Sure, it's way better. If you can get paid to do that, it's way better and it's a lot of people's dreams. But there is that thing of you don't work forty hours, you work constantly.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, even if you are working forty hours, like you're thinking about your job constantly and we just I don't know. We just have this like weird obsession with work and fixation on work. Yeah. That even when we're at home, even if you're a secretary and someone might think like, oh, you don't actually have to think a lot to do that job. You actually do. You have to know so many of the ins and outs. Like, hey, Who's
1: pushing this rhetoric?
0: It's never... you're Like, you're never off anymore. Yeah. I think about my job when I come home. Not always in a negative way, but like, I'll get... Something will pop into my head. I'll be like, oh, I need to do that on Monday.
1: Well, as you know, my job is always on my mind. So. <laughs> yes. Yeah.
0: Whereas if I was just going and making a machine... I probably wouldn't be thinking about it because I don't necessarily know what's on the plate come Monday.
1: Yeah. Like for instance, before I had my current job, I was an apprentice cabinet maker and I never thought about the work when I came home. I just thought about my abusive boss, Yeah, which is different. That's a personal relationship. But the work itself, I left it at at the side. I wasn't thinking that, oh, tomorrow I have to build these boxes, you know, or just yeah leave it there, come home and think, oh my, that, that guy's a prick.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Because working from home or outside was impossible. Yeah. Like when you're doing that stuff, so that's really key to keep in mind when you're thinking about peak productivity. Which, not into that phrase at all. Um, that was that was came from manufacturing, when over half the workforce were in that industry. Now, similarly, the history of labor. Before Western influence changed daily life, people who were gather hunters used to work a lot less, but still be completely fine. So men would hunt from two to two and a half days a week with an average work week of 15 hours. Women gathered for about the same time period of each week. One day's work. Supplied a woman's family with vegetables for the next three days. Which is really interesting. So, you would work for a couple of days and then take time off to just, like, rest, play games, have a family, plan rituals, gossip, see friends. Work around your house. Yeah, like...
1: Do personal work that enriches your life.
0: Yeah, exactly. Just, like, being human. To come in and say that that's, like, lazy or wrong is really shitty. Um... So that's also kind of interesting because now, like, we're not going out and working to feed ourselves by collecting food. We're going out to get a paycheck to actually survive, which I just think is kind of fundamentally wrong. That survival is now tied to...
1: Making profit for another making person.
0: Making profit for another person. Yeah.
1: So you have to actively make your life worse and someone else's life better just to survive.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So that's the history um, in, a, in a nutshell in America. <laughs> it was pretty similar across the rest of the Western world. So Labor Today, um, there's a lot of surveys and stuff around what people actually do, spending their time, like what they spend their time on at work. So here's a breakdown from a survey from a company called AtTask. 45% of your time is spent on your primary duties.
1: So 45% of time spent on core tasks.
0: Yeah, this is av- this is like average people. 45% on core tasks. So in an eight-hour day, that's like, what, three and a half hours-ish? Yeah. 40% on meetings, administrative tasks, and interruptions. And then 14% on email. This sounds like a pretty... I've worked in a lot of office spaces. This sounds like a pretty typical office environment where you're not working on your job the entire time that you're being paid to be there and you have all of these other people around you who are also not working on their job the entire time so they're just like looking for shit to do and
1: then you have the managers who their whole job is making sure you're doing your job and not doing anything productive themselves. yeah
0: yeah everyone should go and read bullshit jobs like straight up you have to David, be there David for David eight David. hours a day and you have to fill eight hours a day, even though you probably get all of your shit done in half of that time. And the reason that is, is because in law, in like a lot of labor law, that's what constitutes full time. And that's when an employer has to start paying you benefits and giving you all of these different things. And so they see it as like, well, if I'm going to be giving them this, they have to be working this much, this many hours. Which I think is just fundamentally wrong. It's
1: like they're buying your time rather than your productivity.
0: Yeah. Like and just that's because the law is set up that way. They could take it upon themselves and say, like, if you you're like you're a full time worker, these are your tasks. You go and do your tasks. This is your salary for the year, and these are your benefits. But because the law says a full time worker is working 35, 40 hours a week, they say, well, I'm going to get that from them because that's how I have to do it to justify paying it, paying these people this much money, paying these people benefits. I don't think that every business or company is actually having that thought. That's just something that we've been systemically like, led to believe as the truth.
1: Yeah, it's wage slavery.
0: Exactly. You might
1: enjoy your job. You might have a good work environment, but when you are working and you might spend even as low as 20% of your time just either looking for something to do, looking like you're working, or like dicking around on Reddit, wouldn't you prefer to have that 20%? Because 20% of a work day is what, one one-fifth of, of eight? Yeah. Uh, wouldn't you prefer to just have that time... At home?
0: Yeah, cook dinner. Like, get dinner ready for the night.
1: Even do nothing. Yeah. Just sit and just enjoy not having someone staring over your shoulder.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: There's no reason for it, and you've got to be in this space. Yeah. So, for instance, a lot of work can be done remotely, but employers will say, we want you to do it in our space.
0: Yeah. Which, it's just like a power trip, honestly. So, the OECD... That's, I've, I've talked about the OECD before. They're the Organisation for Economic Cooperation and Development. So it's just some of the like biggest economies in the world. Become a member. They do a lot of really fascinating research. They actually found in some recent data that countries with the highest average number of working hours, so Australia is one of those, we have some of the worst overtime, unpaid overtime in the Western world. Australia. Yeah. Yeah. Really bad. Anyway, so they found that some of those countries with like the highest working hours are actually the least productive because of that diminishing returns idea. So the more you do, the less you get. My teacher in high school explained diminishing returns in a really great way, which is like the more chocolate you eat, the more sick you feel. Like, it's great to start with and you get a lot, but then you hit a peak and then you just want to start throwing up. Yeah. So, so yeah, they found that. Whereas Luxembourg is apparently the most productive country, they had an average work week of just 29 hours. In the UK, stress accounts for 37% of all work-related sick cases, but they're also facing a crisis of underemployment. Underemployment is you are working a certain amount of hours, but you want to work more. Like you're part time, but you want to be full time so you can survive.
1: Because un- unemployment and underemployment, that those statistics only happen when someone is actively looking for work and registered. Then, like,
0: th- so they're not actually um, they're not actually necessarily done on people who are on unemployment assistance or on some sort of database it's usually all done by survey like um statistics institutions will go out and do surveys but yeah unemployment means people who are actively looking for work and don't have it
1: yeah and there's this misconception that unemployed people are dull
0: bludgers yeah no they're something different if they're actively looking for work then they're unemployed but if they're just like on disability they're unemployed in the sense that they don't have a job but they don't count in the statistic because it's it's to do with, like, how many people are looking for jobs and how yeah. many jobs are filled. Yeah, so I think that, like that's another really interesting thing about the way that we work and the way that we do labor. Is there will be so many people who are working so much overtime or they're in this weird office environment where they are getting half of their stuff done but then they think like well I'm supposed to be here for eight hours so what more could I be doing and -and so-and-so seems to be really chummy with the boss lately and I'm just a contractor am I going to get fired so I'm going to go home and keep thinking about this now I'm really stressed out and I need to take some time off and then there are people sitting there like I am only working part-time or I'm a contractor doing 15 hours a week I want more work but they won't give it to me But then next year, someone in the same company is working too much. So it's not being distributed properly. It's like another huge problem is labor is not distributed. If you think about overtime and especially unpaid overtime, that is essentially work that could be done by another person who does not have enough work. Yeah. Or who wants to contribute to that. I'm not in any means saying that you should have to work. Like, I very much believe in a universal basic income. So one thing I don't like about, like, the, pretty much the only criticism I have of Bernie Sanders is his universal basic income is a federal jobs guarantee. So it's saying, like, you have to do something to get something. Why can't you just get something and then do, like, what is a federal job going to be? A lot of it's going to be admin or just, like, cleaning up parks and stuff like that what if you just want to go and be a painter yeah like why is that not thought of in the same way or maybe it will be maybe those jobs quote unquote will exist anyway so I don't necessarily think that you should have to work to survive but it is very interesting to think of in the system that we have now there's just all of these people doing overtime and all of these people
1: well people feel like I worked so why don't they have to work but what, why, just because you struggle to get something, does someone else have to struggle yeah, exactly. as well?
0: The goal should it be doesn't, for things to get better. It doesn't
1: help you for someone else to struggle.
0: No. Um,
1: it only helps those, those guys at the top.
0: Yeah. But so, back to that um, overtime, underemployment thing, the gap between those who report being overworked and underworked is at its widest point since before the global financial crisis of 2008. So the GFC, I think as well, is something that has had a really big influence on this concept of the 40-hour work week, the concept of overtime, and just being entitled to a paycheck. I don't mean entitled like in a negative way. You know, like those millennials are also entitled. (laughs) a joke obviously Um, but the GFC happened and then people were just so desperate to hold on to any employment they had people would take pay cuts they would work more hours without getting that increase in salary or wage or however it is you're getting paid and then people were getting laid off and not able to enter new jobs and so it just sort of seems to have created this or like further embedded Unpaid overtime,
1: and this anxiety, like this insecurity.
0: Yeah, like if I'm not here for forty hours a week, I'm gonna get fired, and I'm not going to be able to pay my rent or feed my kids.
1: Yeah, or even or
0: support my like painting hobby.
1: Or or I'm gonna have (laughs) have to. What's more or
0: less noble?
1: I'm gonna have to regress in my life somehow. Yeah, you might have this new job made it so finally you can live in a nicer apartment. Yeah, like. People, people suffer at all stages.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, also, with the, with the whole idea of that eight hours of work, eight hours of recreation, and eight hours of rest. Yeah. People got into a lot of personal debt, to like consume experiences. Like, leading up to the GFC and then even after. Because there was also this, like, all of this stuff going on about you, you show your wealth and your interest by doing stuff. Yeah. And you've got to pay for that stuff. Doing that stuff isn't cheap a lot of the time. Like, yeah, you can go... F- there are a lot of free activities to do, but going on a holiday to Europe or Central America or something like that or going, like, bungee jumping to show that you're, like, doing stuff in your spare time, you work hard, you play hard. Just that whole, like, grind shit meant that people were in a lot of debt as well. Yeah. Which I think entrenched them into work and having no power in the workplace because you've got to pay off that debt. Okay. Sorry,
1: I'm not jumping in too much. I'm just learning.
0: No, that's okay. That's, um... We're testing this out. Yeah. So... So what have we talked about? We've got people are only actually working on their core tasks for less than half of their day. So in 2010, only 42.6% of workers were satisfied in their jobs, which was an all-time low since that sort of job satisfaction research began in 1987. People who regularly work overtime are less healthy than those who don't they're more likely to gain weight, become sick, and get injured on the job. In 2014, a study done in Australia found that 50% of full-time workers work more than 40 hours a week. 80% of people continue working after they leave work for the day. Obviously, technological advancement has its pros and cons. One of the cons being that you're just always available.
1: Yeah, I've, I've worked in places where, so in a... In a Slack workspace, um, you've been expected to be on call from 8.30 to 5.30. Yeah. But your job is 9 to 5. So people need to be able to contact you. But if I'm answering a message at 8.30, I've started working.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's boundaries, people. 50% check their work email while they're still in bed in the morning, which is fine if you're waking up to work at home, or you count that 30 minutes in bed as part of your day, as part of your hours, but most people don't. On average, people work an extra seven hours a week outside of the office, which just really bewilders me because if you do read bullshit jobs, and maybe from your own experience, like, you know that there's a lot of stuff that just doesn't need to be happening, that a lot of the work you do is kind of bullshit, where you could just get on with your core tasks. And get them done, without having to like fluff around with. Just crap.
1: Well, so many jobs are just there to create profit for shareholders. Like, what what is important? Yeah. About what most people do, and I'm including myself in this.
0: Yeah. And just like maintain a um, like patriarchal structure. Yeah. A hierarchy, power Someone dynamics. Someone gets to be the boss. Someone yep.
1: gets to be a manager.
0: Yeah. So this is all like this is all very white. Um, male way of thinking and I don't even necessarily mean white color of skin but just like whiteness and patriarchy and stuff. Another thing to keep in mind as well with the 40-hour work week so when it was established it was not only an industrial manufacturing thing but two income households almost didn't exist they were really rare only 15% of married women were employed in 1940. But as of 2012, 60% of households had dual incomes.
1: So I read something recently that the eight-hour workday, the 40-hour work workweek, uh, was put in place at a time where it was assumed your children were being looked after, your house was being cleaned, and all your meals were being cooked by a stay-at-home wife. Yeah. So that that eight hours is supposed to be eight hours a day per household. But yes, now, exactly. But now we both work 40 hours a week, and um we do have a nice life and we've got uh luxuries but oh, we do yeah. more or less live paycheck to paycheck yeah
0: yeah i definitely feel that um i think we've been a bit better at putting putting money away yeah but it, this year but i mean it,
1: like sure the onus is on us for being responsible but that we shouldn't have to try so hard to build wealth when we both when we're working a combined 80 hours a week
0: yeah, exactly.
1: And to build comfort for ourselves.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and so that's, that's, a, that's a really good point because when you have both parents working, especially when there are kids around, like it leaves less time for children, for doing chores, for running errands, preparing food. So all of that stuff needs to be done outside of working hours. You've got to get up in the morning and get to work. Then you have to get home.
1: I 100% believe that the commute should be included in that time. So 9 o'clock is when you leave the house, 5 o'clock is when you get home.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: Because that's a
0: big chunk of it. And
1: that's a huge incentive for employers to hire people locally. Yeah. As well, because it means they'll have more time in the workspace.
0: Or even just like allow remote work. (laughs) And if you
1: allow remote, that means the person can start at 9 and they're not wasting time. And not only are you wasting your time... But this is, because uh, I recently transitioned in a working room home, which is creating a lot of friction with my workspace, it's not affecting my duties.
0: No, it's not.
1: It's affecting a power structure.
0: Yeah, exactly. But one of
1: the main problems I have is not only am I wasting an hour a day commuting, but I'm contributing to the the mess that is commuting. I'm standing there on the SkyTrain, and not only am I standing up shoulder to shoulder, but I'm standing on my tiptoes. yeah. Just to make space. Because if I were to stand flat-footed, I would take this 50% more space, less people get on the train. And I feel awkward. It's like, if I wasn't there, yeah, another person gets that spot.
0: Yeah, and that's the other thing too, right? Like, just fixing it. You work eight hours. It's nine to five. Everyone's then out on the road and trying to get to work at the same time.
1: And there's more accidents happen.
0: Yeah, totally. And... Some pl- some workplaces offer a flexible schedule. Very few do. And often and that very means... very few actually offer a flexible yeah, work schedule. That means
1: it's flexible, but don't abuse the policy is yeah. what they say when you're using the policy.
0: Yeah, like we've just become so indoctrinated that this is the norm and it's just not okay. And I think a really big consideration here is given that, it used to be that women were working at home. It's kind of like the labor of care, right? That also just led to the gap, like the the, the wage gap, because women are doing all of this unpaid work.
1: Well, I, I don't want to appear when I said that thing before that I'm saying it should go back to one person
0: no, no, working not at for the all.
1: household. I'm saying that's the culture that existed then, and the assumption was that one person could take care of this household yeah and really what if two people worked half the time for that same amount that'd be better
0: yeah you know? exactly exactly um like you should you should be able to survive off a of 40 hour work off of 40 hours work
1: you should be able to survive if just, off less it's
0: just one if just one of us was working we would not be able to pay rent here in vancouver
1: the minimum wage originally was created so that one person could support a family And own a house of full time labor. Yeah. And now, what's the minimum wage in Vancouver? Thirteen bucks? Ten fifty? Nine. Nine? Yeah. I think it was ten fifty when I was working minimum wage here. Nine dollars an hour. For forty hours. Where can you live in Vancouver for that?
0: Yeah, exactly. You can't.
1: You can live in a room in a basement suite.
0: In Surrey. And then you're commuting over an hour on transit to get to your job in Vancouver, and you're
1: getting a a two zone, yeah, fare,
0: yeah, which is like what 120 bucks or something.
1: Yeah. Well, I when I got sucked into that market, multi level marketing <laughs> scheme, I lost money working that job. Oh yeah. Because I was traveling to Surrey to go there.
0: Yeah, it was it was a time.
1: 150 bucks in two weeks. Yeah, that's yeah, a, that's a different episode.
0: So that is definitely it. It all it all like intersects though. So before I want to talk about the, the next bit I want to talk about is just some studies that have been done that show shorter work weeks aren't a bad thing. Before, I just want to point out as well that productivity in office based sectors has increased by 84% since 1970, pretty much solely due to computing power because we can share information so, like, instantly now. Yeah. A full workday in 1970 can now, today in 2019, be completed in one and a half hours.
1: I, When I was doing my practical placements in architecture school, uh, I worked with this architect who was actually the guild president uh, for West Australia of the Architecture Guild. And he said it, it was... Yeah, a lot of people complain about how easy kids have it in architecture now because of the computing power. We're working the same amount, but we're doing so much more. And he said, you'd get to work in the morning, you'd have letters, you'd work what was in those letters, uh, and when they were done, your workday was done. But now you're getting emails yep. outside of that time, you're getting phone calls.
0: Yeah, and you can just you can do more. Yeah, You can do eight hours of work in an hour and a half in an office environment it,
1: it might have used to take all day to draw an elevation on a drafting table but now you do it in CAD or you pull it from your BIM model in moments
0: yeah and that's like that's great increases in productivity are great but the problem is we're still stuck to this like you're my employee so you have to be here for eight hours a day statistically you can get your work done in two but I want you to keep working for those other six hours to give me more
1: yeah, so what used to happen in a day that the employer made benefit from, the employer still makes the day's amount of money for that one point five hours of work. Yeah. So the employer's making eight times the
0: Yeah eight just, times the profit. And the just... worker
1: is, is making the same, if not less, for eight times the work.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's just like capitalism is not good. Um this obsession with productivity and work it's it's not it's not healthy it's not natural if it was being fairly distributed then absolutely but people who are being productive and making the work are kind of being forced to exist within this system because they have to work 40 hours a week in order to survive or just to be able to like have their employer pay for their dental yeah so that their kids don't get problems with their teeth um, because that's not covered by public healthcare here.
1: Teeth are luxury items.
0: Yeah, it should not be that way. But <laughs> um, but you're forced to do all of this, and you have no power. And what you're producing, like you're not really, you're n- not getting your fair share of it. You're kind of just being exploited. If it was distributed fairly and people got a say, then I don't think this conversation would sound the same. It'd be like, isn't it great that technology has brought us so far? Yeah. There's no equity within this forty hour work week concept, I think is my point. Like it's really good for some people who make a lot of money off it or get a lot of stuff out of it. But for the vast majority of people it's just taxing to your health. Yeah. So all right. So some some places have done trials where they cut the work week down. Um, a place in New Zealand asked its workers for two weeks to work four eight-hour days instead of five. They were still paid for eight days. Sorry, still paid for five days. The result, 24% said their work-life balance had improved and 7% saw reduced stress. The company leadership reported no drop in productivity. In 2016, Reykjavik, 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 City government in Iceland revealed the results of a year-long study that cut around half a workday each week for full-time employees. Um, They found that both costs and productivity remained the same despite less time being spent at the office and the workers were happier. Similarly, in Sweden, there have been quite a lot of trials in Sweden around the six-hour workday, so a 32-hour work week. And that's that's been pretty successful as well it changes a little bit like i remember reading a lot of these studies back when i worked in healthcare and we were thinking like this is this is amazing because if you're a nurse or a doctor or a biomedical science after 6 hours if your concentration starts to drop like you're dealing with people's lives right but unfortunately a lot of the nursing homes and things like that had to switch back to longer hours because there aren't enough healthcare employees available. Yeah. So, so basically, places have started to experiment with shorter work weeks. Um, the, I, I see the biggest restriction at the moment is the legislative restriction. Because full time is 35 hours. And if you work less than that, then your worker doesn't have to give you overtime or they don't have to give you health benefits or anything like that. And because they don't have to, they won't. Yeah. So I see, I see like legi- legislative changes as kind of the only way to change this. But well, also in saying that...
1: There's that old comic strip from, from union papers where it was, uh, the government says to the employer, you must pay... Uh, $5 and no less. And they say, well, I will pay $5 and no more.
0: Exactly. Like, if, if the laws aren't good enough for you, the worker, then your employer isn't going to...
1: And who makes the laws? Yeah. The employers. Exactly.
0: exactly. So, to wrap up, 40 hours is not the be-all and end-all.
1: Is it... Wrapping up a part one, just a two-parter. There's a lot more to say, I think. There's a lot
0: more to say. We'll probably have this conversation again, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, the, the 40-hour work week is just not really relevant to the way that we work and do business anymore. Yeah. If it works for you, then that's great. But if you feel burdened, um, I would definitely recommend starting to read more about this stuff and just to kind of like free your mind from...
1: Even though you rely on your job for your money, your employer needs you a lot more than you need them. And they don't own you.
0: Yeah. And they have often been indoctrinated by this system as well. So if you're wanting to cut your hours down, go into the conversation backed with research and make sure you feel confident that this is what's right for you and just like don't take no for an answer. Yeah. Basically, unless obviously like, don't get fired because we don't have that much power yet as providers of labour.
1: No, but the the only way for us to get that power is if we start taking it. Yeah. No one's going to give it to us.
0: Yeah. Working less has been shown to make people feel happier. They take less time off. Less sick days. People don't leave work early. You can be more productive in less time because we're not having to pad out hours with nonsense just browsing reddit you could just be at home with your family at home with your art at home with your thoughts whatever Just like patting your cat
1: watching a series. we don't
0: have to constantly be productive no like we are very productive we are more productive than ever before like we don't we don't need to do this because we're not doing it for ourselves in this model that we're in. We're just working for somebody else.
1: I just want to reiterate. One CEO of a, of a startup or something says, you have to work 80-hour work weeks. I work 80-hour work weeks. That 80-hour work week they're talking about includes meetings, lunches, yeah. going to the gym, commuting. But would they pay you for all those same things? No. No. They just they clock in for everything mentally. Yeah. A CEO... Your CEO does not work harder than you. I, I, don't, I don't care where you work.
0: No. One of the foundations of Marxism, no one man's hour is worth any less than another man's hour. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I had a good time doing the episode this way. It was nice to not just be reading an essay that I've written.
1: I wish I could have come into it a bit more knowledgeable or prepared. I feel like most of mine was just... my internal rage that's
0: that's a big part of why I want to start doing it this way
1: (laughs) yeah
0: Um, Yeah, to get that internal rage out so thank you for listening I hope you enjoyed this Um, feel free to give me any feedback or if you are a socialist female with things to say please reach out to me talia at cavegoblins.com thanks Doug
1: you're welcome pleasure having you Yeah, it's a pleasure being here. Everyone is Jonas is a live-streamed competitive role-playing podcast hosted by me, Doug Vandalay, Me, Eric Ivanovich, And me,
0: Talia Murdoch.
1: On twitch.tv forward slash cavegoblins every Monday at 7.30pm PST. This is a Cave Goblin podcast. For other podcasts like this, visit cavegoblins.com. We hope you have enjoyed this program.